uh, it seems to me, looking at the demographics in Africa, very, very youthful. Kenya, for example, is 70%, up to 75% youth, people of ages 30 and below. And that story pretty much goes for the rest of Africa. These guys tend to be more attuned to visual storytelling. So I think journalism through photos, through images, through video is going to, to grow fairly strongly. My name is Churchill Otieno. I am the digital editor at the National Media Group. This is a special podcast about journalism innovation in Africa. I am Dickens Olewe. The chairman of Nation Media Group in Kenya said in early 2018 that the company's digital fast strategy will turn it into a 21st century company. What does this mean? I find out from Churchill, but I start our interview by asking him how the strategy is being implemented in day-to-day -day operations in the digital department. What this basically means is that uh, NMG or National Media Group, if you like, uh, is moving to expand its uh, the breadth of its offerings. Uh, since 1959, when the company was started, National Media Group has been known for news. So it, it's been a content company, but with a very clear focus on news. It did double a bit on the entertainment, but that was just more by the way than the critical focus of the company. The new strategy requires that uh, we, re <clears throat> we define content, not just as news, but as anything that uh, is informational and audiences will be interested in. So that begins to take the company out of the news realm. And we begin doubling, for instance, in things like music, which is uh, the first project that has come since uh, the launch of that strategy. Uh, Nation now has Lit 360, which is uh, a product of Lit Music, a, a branch of the Nation Media Group. And uh, there are several projects in the pipeline just to begin to explore that new space of content. And, and and how does that work? Just I'm really curious about the music. So it's it's a new um, platform. So how does that work? Is, is it a revenue generation project? Of course, I mean, uh, the, the main goals of uh, late music run by Nation Media Group is to discover new music talent and then nurture that talent into creating successful music artists. And then that music then will be offered to, to interested audiences as content, uh, either directly as a, uh, through direct selling to those audiences or through creating experiences that the audiences like and finding people who can partner with us uh, in those experiences. And, and is this meant to fund the journalism? Yes. Uh, one, uh, we recognize that uh, until now, journalism has been funded via advertising. But with the entry of plat global platforms like Facebook, like Google, a lot of that advertising is now shared by a, a bigger number of players. Uh, and the impact of that has been that... Uh, the levels of advertising flowing in and the demands that uh, society is putting on journalism today, those two don't balance. So it, it, it's become uh, uh, important that uh, the nation does find new ways to, to fund its journalism.
Okay, so so just to make sure that I understand this, so uh, this music um, uh, project that uh, the Nation Media Group has launched, it's almost like Spotify, but also works like a record label. So you have artists signed to the to NMG, and that's how the uh, uh, the company is making money. NMG will be the publisher of that music. That, that, that's really uh, uh, thanks. Thanks for sharing that. Now. Churchill, I was a digital manager when I worked in Kenya and looking at the position uh, in 2018, I think the role has evolved and even got more uh, clout in the newsroom. Do you agree and can you briefly explain your observation? The whole world is grappling with how digital journalism should pay for its way. And for that reason, uh, most newsrooms, especially mixed newsrooms where we have legacy and digital media, there's always that conversation that uh, while digital is bringing a lot of lots of audiences, it's not able to show uh, a, a commensurate share of revenue coming in. And for that reason, uh, uh, for instance, uh, legacy folks remain fairly important and fairly critical in these newsrooms. Uh, and, and also that then that means that uh, uh, the the influence or the fortunes of the digital fox is, is a mixed bag, if you, if you like. But are you seeing a situation where, because I remember, you know, about five, six years ago when, when I was uh, um, working for the Star newspaper, for example, it, it just, it was really hard convincing uh, executives to invest uh, in, in digital platforms and probably expanding the team and getting people with the new roles. And I'm just wondering whether that conversation is easier in 2018 that uh, news um, uh, media executives actually get it that things are changing or things have changed and we definitely need to listen more to digital managers like yourself. So that has changed a great deal. I mean, uh, um, I would say that, uh, for instance, where I work, it's easier to get digital projects approved than it is to get uh, legacy projects approved. So in that sense, it's a strong yes. This conflict within the newsroom where you, as you call it, mixed uh, media organizations where you have legacy media and, and also, uh, you know, very big online department. And you're saying that there is always this tug of war that digital, yes, has brought many audiences, but does not provide the share of uh, revenue. And, and I, I think what uh, I'm curious about is that the measure of success in digital publishing is audience clicks, and every media wants them. Now, what effect do you think that has had uh, on journalism? I think it's a, it's a measure that should not be taken as a given. Every, every publication, every newsroom today should deliberately decide what is it that they want to see as a measure of success. Uh, the, the early adopters of the internet, as we knew it then, uh, used to think that page views, unique users, you know, those kind of things uh, would uh, is the only way to demonstrate that you're successful. But uh, today, I think uh, editors or publishers generally will need to be a lot more deliberate because sometimes the quality of the audience that you are that is uh, loyal to you will be a better sign of success than just the size of that audience. Yes, so some audiences are, are, are qualitative, if you like. They might be niche, but they're important because either they have a bigger influence or they have a, a higher uh, disposable income that would be, uh, given your business model, be attractive to you. 
So I think it's a, it's a lot more uh, complex right now than it was before. But those who merely chase the clicks, many times the impact has been, and this has been demonstrated across, that uh, they, they tend to, to go towards uh, clickbait uh, content, if you like, and that uh, have a very, very short self-life and also has a negative impact on credibility. So what I'm hearing you say is that it's, you, you go for quality, the quality of audience rather than the quantity. Not necessarily. I think it's a mix. So one has to deliberate, uh, very carefully carve that, uh, define that audience, a mix of uh, the, the size of that audience, but also the quality of that audience, so that you begin to focus more on uh, how engaged is the audience you're speaking to and how loyal are they to you? Yeah. Could you tell me more about the, the team that you lead? How many people do you manage and what are the skill sets? I manage roughly 40 people. Uh, some of them are guys who are strong in writing, others guys who are strong in uh, developing media, be it uh, video, be it uh, um, you know, pictures or graphics. Uh, some of them are data crunchers, so there are statisticians there, or just coders who, who, who help us turn around data stories. And others uh, are people who are, who are, who are, who are nifty in uh, you know, uh, making sure national journalism is, uh, can be found in, uh, on social media. Okay, and and I I'm really curious about your data journalism team because I'm, I've been following that uh, keenly, and I've, I've seen some of the stories that you have done uh, that the team has, has has put out, and I'm curious whether you could um, uh, you know just let us in to some of the conversation you might have had with uh, um, uh, with the other editors, uh, the newspaper editors especially when it comes to publishing a data driven story because. Uh, it's it's a very it's very heavy. It's obviously graphic driven, but then you have a situation where the nation uh, newspaper has a, a bias towards uh, politics uh, co coverage. So, are you finding that uh, there is appetite for more data driven uh, projects? And maybe you could also share with us just how it's been received uh, in Kenya. Uh, three years ago, I set up the Nation Newsplex as our data journalism project. And it was set up purely as an online uh, uh, project so that uh, we were looking for ways to distinguish our online offering so that people could find more, not just breaking news from the events and not just uh, content that was developed for the paper, but some interesting, engaging new content that uh, was exclusive to, audio, uh, to online audiences. But fairly quickly, uh, colleagues in print saw uh, the value in the stories that we were doing. And that project morphed, stopped being an online project and became a converged one. So that today, the Newsplex team produces content for all platforms, be it print, be it broadcast, but it remains uh, natively online. The, uh, and the reason for that is that uh, the, the audience reception of those stories has been very, very uh, uh, positive and demand for those stories continue to go up. Oftentimes, we can't even cope. Um, of course, we continue to invest in that space, uh, and we think uh, we have uh, interesting new plans coming up to just uh, push that envelope a bit further. Yes, but uh, uh, very revealing so far.
your team obviously does an amazing work um you know going out there getting the content sifting this content and also projecting the content in these uh, uh, graphs and uh, uh, amazing you know chart one of the stories i can probably remember is an investigation about how many prisoners are in the kenya uh, are being held in kenyan prisons and i just wonder I mean, it was really shocking. Uh, definitely encourage those who are listening to go and, and check it out. And it found that many more people are act who are actually being held in Kenyan prisons are being held there because they could not post uh, a bail. And uh, and I just want what was the consequence of that publication apart from shocking the country that hey, this is the status of uh, our justice system. We are aware that the judiciary is uh, is moving fairly strongly to to provide options for for misdemeanors, if you like, so that we, a big chunk of that were traffic cases, for example. I'm aware that uh, the judiciary and the office of the uh, director of public prosecutions are, are trying to find out other mechanisms of making sure that people don't end up in jail for traffic offences. For instance, they're, they're beginning to make it easier for people to post bail. A good example is that it used to be that if you are charged with a traffic offense and you needed to, to post bail, you couldn't pay for it yourself. You had to find somebody else who will need to go to a bank uh, and deposit uh, the money and then bring back. So it was basically very bureaucratic uh, and very inconveniencing. The courts now make it uh, possible that you can actually pay that bail yourself right in court. So, so I know that they're, they're doing some innovative things just to try and bring down that uh, uh, that kind of uh, uh, prisoner burden. Churchill, media students will be listening to you, um, and I guess the question they might want to ask you is, what are the talent gaps in your newsrooms today? In other words, if you were expanding the team, what positions will you be creating? Pretty clear. Uh, given the ecosystem of uh, the knowledge economy today or even if was, uh, distribution of information today it's easy for people uh, to pass or publish information about events and things like that so for us it's very clear that journalism does not cannot exist anymore merely to purvey information from events and pronouncements has the need to bring in uh, ability to critically uh, question things or explain things, so explanatory reporting, critical reporting. That's one being one major area. Uh, so are these writers or? It doesn't matter whether you're a writer or uh, you, you engage in visual journalism or whatever form of journalism it is that you do. The substance of it is that you need to tell me something new. You need to be able to add some value to the pronouncements that newsmakers make for you to distinguish yourself as a professional journalist. So in, in terms of skills, what would you be telling them to, um, uh, to focus on? The, the basic skills remain critical because those who write well, those who can do good video, those who can do good audio, will always have relevance in newsrooms. Two, those who can tell stories using new formats. So think data visualization, think data uh, crunching, think code reporting, those who can code and enable uh, works of journalists to, to be more impactful. Those, who, those are guys who will continue to, to get a lot of uh, attention from newsrooms. And then as, uh, as people get busier, 
visual journalism is coming to the core of the newsroom. So those who can tell the stories in interesting ways using video, using uh, uh, graphics, using images, those who can even overlay maps, those will be interesting areas to go into. Now, another title that you hold uh, is the chairman of the Editors Guild in Kenya. Just for those who don't know, explain briefly what it is and what your priorities are. The Kenya Editors Guild is the professional association of editors in the country and therefore it is the premier uh, body that uh, looks after the professional health of, uh, of journalism. Uh, the team I lead uh, has uh, locked onto three main things that we want to do during our term. One is just to be advocates of media freedom in the country. And, uh, uh, and why, why, why is that important? The threats to media freedom in, in, uh, in two major important ways. One, because of the broken business model, uh, interference by commercial entities, be it advertisers or be it owners, is on an increase. Uh, because uh, these guys are always chasing the bottom line, and many times uh, that has meant that uh, the job losses in most newsrooms, and when journalists lose jobs, those newsrooms are less capable to do the job that they need to do. So we are saying that journalists must be part of the conversation in rediscovering workable models that would uh, support independent journalism. And that's a conversation that is ongoing. The second bit of uh, that media freedom space is that uh, there are political interests who are keen on influencing editorial content. Some of them because uh, uh, they feel independent journalism will paint them in negative light, knowing what it is they've been engaged in. And we're saying that the, the, uh, media houses being businesses many times find themselves unable to stand up to those kind of interests. That the, a strong professional organization then would be the body that can uh, be seen to be the main number one defender of public interest in the practice of media. The, the second main thing for us is uh, to advance professional excellence. Some of this might mean training, others might mean just uh, uh, innovative ways of doing journalism given the current challenges. And we feel that there haven't been enough room for this conversation to happen in the profession. And uh, the HS Guild is now working to create spaces for, for colleagues to have that conversation and uh, learn from each other, look at cases and see just how, how are other editors in other jurisdictions dealing with these issues. Then the third and very important uh, point for us is uh, just to find interesting, uh, creative, innovative projects to help build public trust in journalism. Because we are saying that unless there is public trust in journalism, the first two won't count much. Because in the age of fake news, everybody feels they're entitled to their own facts, and that can't be true. Everyone is entitled to their own opinion, but the facts must remain separate. Great. And um, my last question, Churchill, to you is, what are your projections? What are your predictions for next year in, in as far as media trends in Africa are concerned? What's the next big thing? Or where do you see, what do you see happening next year that you think will be something that uh, people should pay attention to? It seems to me, looking at the demographics in Africa, very, very youthful. Kenya, for example, is 70%, uh, up to 75% youth people of ages 30 and below and that story pretty much goes for the rest of africa these guys uh tend to be more uh, uh attuned to visual storytelling so i think journalism through photos through images through video 
is going to to continue to, to, to grow fairly strongly. If you add to that mix the the apparent uh, dropping in cost uh, for accessibility of the internet and the growth of uh, penetration by smartphones, then uh, I think the elements are right in there for, for that growth to happen. That is Chachi Lotieno, digital editor, National Media Group in Kenya. Thank you for listening to this podcast. If you have any comments or questions, please reach out to me on Twitter. My handle is at Dickens Ulewe. Thank you.